It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of the fantasy analysts, the IDP analysts over at FantasyPoints.com. My partner in crime for the IDP side of things, the IDP Corner, if you will, is Mr. Thomas Simons joining us. How are you doing tonight, Thomas? Uh, Wild and crazy. I mean, it was a good Thursday night football game, and I'm in the throes of a playoff major league baseball playoff uh run or chase as the uh, seattle mariners are trying to make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years and now they're tied with the red sox for the wild card second wild card spot so it's going to be a crazy weekend and it's been a crazy week but speaking of thursday night football and being a good game shall we get right into it yes and and for those of you listening now that thomas has kind of given you an idea of what he's been going through uh, we have to forgive him in the middle of this if he starts quoting um, strikeouts <laughs> and uh, and balls put in play. So just forgive him for his yeah. And then and then the tackles. There. Kyle Seeger came in. Oh wait a minute, that's baseball. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, speaking of the tackles, let's dive into this Thursday night game. Uh, let's start with you. Anything that stuck out to you? Yeah, in the first half, uh, both teams really struggle against the play action. And uh, it was especially evident with Cincinnati. Um, they kept biting on those those play actions with um, Lawrence baiting them and then torching them. And, you know, it, it, it was there was a reason why Jacksonville got out to a quick 14-0 lead. But in the second half, the Bengals just came out and just rammed the ball down the Jaguars' throat and punched it in. And from that point on, the whole momentum of the game seemed to change. And it that's something that the Jaguars are struggling with, is that they'll have momentum in their favor. They did that against Arizona. They had a lead, and then all of a sudden in Arizona was a pick six, and boom, the whole um, the momentum changes to the other side, and they can't rebound from that so that's something to consider going down uh in the the near future yeah i think the the Bengals really missed uh jesse bates in particular for the first uh you know in the first half that's indeed such a a big player for them particularly for things like that last line of defense you know and chidobi owuzier was out as well yeah absolutely so we we originally had uh cincinnati's defense ranked um, in the top, I think two or three. Um, but then once the, that injury news came in, we backed them off, backed them off a little bit as a team defense. They still did all right. They, they gave up 21 points, which isn't great, but it's also not bad. They got a sack and they basically limited any major yards or, or whatnot. Unfortunately, they did not really come up with many big plays. Um, I don't think they had, you know, they didn't have an, an interception. Um, so, uh, in, in, in that regard, they didn't necessarily, um, you know, have have a monster game. They did get a forced fumble, uh, and, and they did get a sack. But um, uh, but we're really here to talk about IDP, not uh, DST. So I'll, I'll move on to uh, you know somebody we've just loved all off season and and tried to get everyone to hop on the Logan Wilson bandwagon. And hopefully you've got him in your lineups. Uh, if not, uh, go out. I mean, he he's made my waiver wire article every week, and I I swear we talk about him every week on this. 
on this podcast. He's just set up in that defense to finally soak up the, those tackles. Like, uh, you know, you know, we've had some monster uh, Bengals middle linebackers in the past, uh, and, and Wilson seems primed for that. So he once again led the team with tackles. He had 10 total tackles. Uh, had um, you know four uh, four uh, four solos six assists had a tackle for loss uh, really strong game from him uh, and he also put posted another sack he's gotten interceptions fumble recoveries sacks I mean he's really filling up the stat sheet for you uh, and you know watching the game you did he didn't look like he was making much of, uh, of an impact you had the sack which you could see. But it was the sort of thing that, you know, uh, just out of the pile came, you know, Logan Wilson was always the first one there and at the bottom of the pile. So another solid game for him. He's, I mean, at this point, is there any reason to assume he's not an LB1 going forward? No, I, I would have to totally agree with you that he is. Now, I, I've been asked on the Discord board by uh, some um, folks whether or not they would take a Levante David or um you know, somebody like Devondre Campbell or Darius Leonard or Logan Wilson. And well, L- Wilson's right up there in the category with Leonard. And I think the other ones fall behind them. And the reason why Wilson's up there is because of, as you just mentioned, all of those big plays that he's making. And if he continues to make these big plays, he's going to be a top five linebacker, which we thought he could be a top 10 linebacker at the, in back in August. So now speaking of linebackers, on the other side of the ball, Miles Jack, he's frustrating. He he showed his coverage weaknesses as he got torched by um, C.J. Uzama uh, uh, this game against Cincinnati, and he looked really bad trying to cover t- uh, t- wide receiver Tyler Boyd in the red zone. You know, he got Boyd gave him the 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 burst, thinking he's going to go into the end zone, and and then broke it off and and. <laughs> I tell you, Jack, just what, what is he doing covering a wide receiver to begin with? I know it's over the middle, but still, he should have gotten some kind of help. And then he looked really slow getting to the ball as well. And I mean, he finished with eight total tackles, but six of those were assists. And that's a clear indication that he's getting to the ball late. Um, yeah, that, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, depending on how you, how you want to look at it, uh, you know, sometimes we get these linebackers. And they're going to put up fantasy production for us uh, almost because they're not great at their job. Uh, as long, but as long as they're on the field every snap, which Jack should be, uh, you're going to get solid production out of them. I mean, I would have liked to have seen more of those eight tackles be solos, obviously. Um, but uh, hopefully he can sneak in some pass defense as well. Yeah, um, and, and and this is basically the comments I'm making is something to consider for long-term dynasty because you right. know next year things could change. And, and this year they, they brought in Joe Schobert and, and then moved him, got rid of him. So, uh, and the, the thought was bringing Schobert in was that he was going to replace Jack. Well, they put Jack back in the middle and now he's, He's posting fantasy production numbers, but he's not pleasing the coaching staff. Um, somebody who is please, pleasing the coaching staff is uh, Cincinnati's Sam Hubbard. Uh, he has been, uh, you know, two years ago, he was like an 80% uh, snap share guy, snap usage guy, um, and put up monster tackle numbers. I mean, this guy is just, I mean, he excels at run defense. If you get a couple of big plays out of him, that's great. But I mean, he. He puts up. I, I was on um, the, the uh, 
uh, Guru in the Morning, the Sirius XM radio show talking IDP this Wednesday with uh, John Hansen and Adam Kaplan. And I mentioned like, you know, Hubbard's, Hubbard's tackle numbers look like LB2 tackle numbers. I mean, he's, he's, he's out tackling. <laughs> He's out tackling a lot of linebackers that we that we've drafted early on. I mean, he had another six tackles tonight. I think he leads all DL tackles now. Uh, he's just a tackle machine there. The last year, he was in more of a rotation for Cincinnati, so he was more in the like sixty-ish um, uh, snap count. So he obviously didn't have the kind of production. He also wasn't quite in this uh, in this the same role. The, the way their defensive line works out is that basically he gets to play the run more um, as opposed to Trey Hendrickson, who is kind of a little bit more of attack the QB first, play run second. Um, so we should continue to see this production. He continues to log major snaps and continues to put up, you know, anywhere between five to nine tackles a week. Like I said, I've, I've got I've got linebackers in some leagues who aren't doing that. <laughs> uh, let's move on to news and notes. Let's talk about some of the games coming up this weekend. Uh, Thomas, what you got for us? Well, we'll start in Green Bay. Devondre Campbell has been the IDP man for the Packers. He's posted. 31 total tackles, 21 solos, 10 assists. He's had 5, 10, and 6 solos in his first three games. He's had an INT, a PD, and a fumble recovery. The problem here is that the Steelers pass 72% of the time compared to rushing the ball just 28% of the time. Now, it's not a favorable matchup, but with Chris Barnes uh, questionable with a concussion, who he Barnes did not practice Wednesday and was limited on Thursday, Campbell is the best option on the Packers in this game. Um, speaking of uh, matchups, this is going to be a good matchup, and that's uh, C.J. Mosley. He's had two strong games in a row now. We talked last week about how you know we even talked in, in the preseason heading into week one. What is C.J. Mosley going to look like? He hasn't really played a meaningful snap since 2019. That is a long time to not play football. Uh, you know, he injured himself early on in 2019 and then, uh, you know, sat out all of, of 2020. So uh, now that he so the first week he looked OK, looked a little slow, um, had an OK game. But then starting in week two, now we've had two back to back weeks here where he's looked like the C.J. Mosley that the Jets thought they'd got uh, put up some really good numbers for them. Uh, so we were already kind of. In, intrigued by rolling with Mosley, but he's got a he's got a really good matchup. He uh, Tennessee continues to be a gold mine for uh, linebacker tackles and defensive line tackles as well. So we not only like C.J. Mosley this week, we also like Quinnen Williams there. There, uh, the Jets DT. Yeah, now we we've got a Buffalo Houston matchup this week, and Buffalo has the second highest total offensive play count with 216 offensive plays. They've run the ball 41% of the time, and they've passed it 59% of the time. Now, this bodes well for uh, the Texans' IDPs, in particular Zach Cunningham and Christian Kirksey. Um, you know, when you take a look at Cunningham's numbers, he's got 31 total tackles, 14 solos, 17 assists, and a PD. And that's that's when you consider when you compare that to Kirksey, who's got twenty two total tackles, sixteen solos, and six assists, it's impressive in the fact that Cunningham was disciplined in in uh, week two and he didn't play in the first quarter and then kind of played sparingly through the first half and then 
Um, you know, when you consider that he's taken less snaps than Kirksey and it's based on the disciplinary reasons, it, he's got, you know, like I said, almost nine more, approximately nine more total tackles than Kirksey. So that's impressive in itself. But Kirksey does have three to- uh, tackles for loss, an INT, two PDs, and a fumble recovery to Cunningham's PD. Now, both of them should have very productive games against this Buffalo team who has a lot of offensive plays uh, every game. Uh, you, yeah, you mentioned that they have the second highest total offensive plays there. Um, their pace of play is fourth highest in the league. They, they played the fourth fastest um, and Houston plays the eighth fastest. So that, that bodes yep. well um, for, for all the IDPs here that we, we should see a pretty high uh, defensive snap total on both sides of the ball. So look, yeah, look for, you know, it's not only will Cunningham see a lot of plays from from Buffalo, but because their offense also moves fast, um, the the three and outs or the you know only a couple of series before they bounce back out will put Cunningham and Kirksey back on the field even more so than 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 maybe uh, an average or a slow offense that they may play later on. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the there's a couple of safety rotations I'm going to mention. I'm going to start with the Giants one. Um, we have another situation here, and I we brought this up a little bit before, where you've got three safeties rotating back there, which can really frustrate you as an IDP owner to try to figure out what's going on with snaps. So the Giants are one of them. Now, Logan Ryan, he remains the snap leader among this trio of safeties, which includes Ryan Jab- Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney. Last game, Ryan played almost every snap, while Peppers played 69% of the snaps. Xavier McKinney played 98%. So, you know, if you just took that snapshot, you would think it's McKinney and Ryan running the show. Um, But it doesn't always work out that way. You know, there still seems to be, you know, every week this shifts a little bit. And now we're only three weeks in, but if three weeks happen and we see fluctuation all three weeks, it means we can't necessarily rely on 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 McKinney having you know basically being an every down player, I do think if you're going to re- lean on anybody here, it's going to be Ryan. Um, uh, Ryan leads not only the team in production, uh, he also actually leads all defensive backs in fantasy production through three games. Uh, so, um, but uh, I know you've been kind of monitoring his status. Uh, yeah, he's a little he, banged up, right? He was limited in practice this week so far uh, due to a hamstring injury, and if he practices on a limited basis on Friday, this could affect his snap count. And as you had mentioned, the the three of them went 100%, 98%, and then Peppers at, at 68 or 69%. And the weird thing about the snap count is with those snap counts, it was Peppers who had five solos, three assists, compared to, to Ryan's three assists, five solos, and McKinney's five solos and one assist. So Peppers took a lot less snaps, and yet he outproduced the other two. So it's really going to be hard to know who's going to take the most snaps, especially with Ryan being a little bit banged up. And really, if all three of these players have a bad matchup this week, uh, um, the Saints are dead last in giving up defensive back production. So if you've got better options this week, particularly – okay, I'm starting Ryan if – if he practices in full on, on Friday and is off the injury report, I, I'm, I'm starting Ryan. But if Ryan practices limited and he comes into, into the game as questionable, 
I'm looking for other options. I'm certainly looking for other options um, over Peppers and McKinney. What will be interesting to watch, and and um, we won't know this until until it happens, but with Blake Martinez being out, which we'll get to in just a little bit, um, you know, they may elect to use their three safeties uh, a little bit more creatively and and sneak one of their safeties up and play more linebacker. Uh, so, so all three of these guys may be on the field 100% of the snaps going forward to, to make up for Martinez, but that also might not be the case at all. So, you know, we don't know how they're going to adjust, but that's something right. to keep an eye out. We'll talk about next week. Time will tell in that case. Now, the Chargers, Drew Tranquil cut into uh, linebacker Kenneth Murray's snap count this past week. Now, Drew went from 18% snap count in week two to 43% in week three, while Murray dropped from 79% week two to 51% last week. Now, the reason may be the fact that they faced the Chiefs in their pass-oriented offense, but expect Tranquil to to continue seeing the field more at Murray's expense. And that kind of is an eye-opener when we were considering Murray the the IDP option on this defense and the fact that we thought that Murray would be a linebacker one. Well, that is changing very quickly. Yeah, it, uh, Murray did leave the game with a with a lower leg injury for a little bit, and then he he, he came back out on the field a little bit later. So that's that that was part of the reason he lost some snaps. But after the game, uh, it was a couple of days after the game. Uh, there, there'd been a, there'd been a report out, um, you know, kind of uh, detailing what's going on with the linebackers and and talking to the. Chargers head coach about it, and uh, there's pretty some pretty frank speak about that. You know, Murray's going through some growing pains. He's had some up and down times. Uh, Kazir White is is kind of um, thriving in this in this new defensive scheme, but they are trying to get creative and get Drew Tranquil on the field more. So uh, it could be that Murray bounces back uh, and plays closer to an eighty or ninety percent snap share, but the you know. If it was just the little the lower leg issue that we would, you know, we wouldn't even be making this report other than to tell you, like, don't worry about Murray. He just left the game for a few snaps. But um, we're we're correlating that it's not just that it's the fact that um, they're not happy with Murray's play at this point. Now, he's you know, he's he's a sophomore. He's still kind of learning the ropes. But what it really does is make you makes you pump the brakes a little bit on whether or not you can just throw him in your lineup and assume he's going to be an every down linebacker. That does not look like the case at this point. We we certainly can't fully endorse that. Yeah, and, um, and, and before you go on, Tranquil had six less snaps, and yet he had eight total tackles compared to Murray's three. Yeah, uh, so production is really inconsistent uh, um, there for the for the Chargers linebackers. I mentioned I was going to focus on some uh, some safety sets, so we're going to look at the Patriots here who also play uh, a fairly heavy three safety set. It's been frustrating to try and solve the riddle as to who would be a more productive uh, safety, Kyle. Patriots riddle? Really? I know. (laughs) A frustrating frustrating usage. Belichick riddle. (laughs) I'm not kidding. No, it's been a couple of years since I've I've rostered a a, a New England Patriots IDP. I just I for just for my own sanity, I just I just I can't do it anymore. So look, so uh, you know, I'm looking at all this, and, and luckily I don't I don't have to feel the pangs 
of, of, of making these decisions, but obviously not everybody uh, is that stubborn, nor should you be. I'm, I'm not, I'm not advocating you be as stubborn as I am, but um, what I can tell you is that uh, it, this continues to be uh, a frustrating mix. Uh, now last week they played almost actually be, they played almost every snap in three downs in, in three safety sets. Um, but what that did is, you know, we actually don't want to see all three of them on the field yeah. because it, it spreads out their, their, their safety production. So Kyle Duggar had just four tackles, Adrian Phillips had five. Um, and then Jason McCourty is the other safety there. Devin, um, yeah, Devin, Devin McCourty. Yeah. Devin McCourty is the other safety there had a couple of tackles as well. So unfortunately, None of these guys are, are reliable um, for anything more than your DB2 slot. We are not seeing a clear lead dog here. And be forewarned that Tampa Bay passes 75% of the time and runs just 25% of the time. And you got Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough, Massachusetts. You, you really think that Brady's going to, or that Tampa's going to be running the ball? No. It's going to be the Brady show. And that doesn't bode well for safety production. Right. Uh, we'll move on to the Raiders and. Denzel Perryman once again led the team with 14 total tackles. He had 10 solos and four assists while taking 76% of, uh, 76 snaps, which was 92% of the, the team total snaps, and that's third highest on the team. Now, we've been concerned with the fact that Nicholas Morrow is eligible to come off of IR, but expect the Raiders to take close to the 21 days that they're allowed to make a decision on Morrow, whether to activate him to the, to the roster and, or put him back on IR for the, the, you know, and shut him down for the season. So ride Perryman until a decision is made on Morrow, which would probably take at least 10 days, if not two weeks. So Perryman's a good ride for a couple more weeks. Um, I'm going to keep with my little role of safety. So I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard has been a, a top DB for us over the last couple of years, but he's had a slow start to his season. He's, he's currently DB number 85. Uh, he's got just 11 tackles. Now he'll more than likely turn this around. Uh, but if you are in a shallow league, you start one D- DB. Uh, I do think it's okay to look elsewhere for your DB one. Uh, but I, I also think that he's going to bounce back. This week will be a good test because the Jets are a top five matchup for defensive backs. So this will give Bayard a chance to bounce back. If he if he puts up a monster nine or 12 tackle game, I think everything's fine. You can get back to rolling with Bayard. If he comes in at like, you know, three to five tackles after even this matchup, I, I, I can fully endorse going ahead and, and moving on in a shallow league. If it's a deep league, uh, I'd, I'd probably hang on to it because I think his upside for the rest of the season is still pretty high. But we're we are always leery of um, secondaries when we, it's a new season. You know, they 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 tink, I've, You've heard me say this a bunch. When a defensive coordinator starts to tinker nowadays, they usually start with the secondary. So they, it may just be that um, as a shaping, and we don't really have, we're just now getting access to all 22 tapes. So it's been a little hard to see it uh, with your eyes, but um, as opposed to seeing it with your gills, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to like lay eyes on it uh, right now, um, unless you happen to see it in real time. But uh, what we're, what we don't know is, is Bayard's role just different and he, and he's, not set up to be as close to the action as he is in the past. 
Um, it doesn't look to be anything performance related. It's likely scheme related or it's completely bad luck to start the season. Every DB goes through that. Let's see what happens after the Jets. Uh, all right, let's, we're going to move on and, and hit, get to our quick hits section. Just a couple of quick little words about a couple of players and are things that we've noticed, and then we'll move from there. So, Thomas, uh, get us going. Yeah, I'll start with Eric Kendricks. He had a solid game in Week 3 with 11 total tackles, 6 solos, and 5 assists. What's really impressive about this performance is the fact that he he had nearly as many total tackles, 11, as the Seahawks had rushes in 18. When a team only rushes the ball 18 times and your middle linebacker comes up with 11 total tackles, that's a good performance. That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, um, Kenny Young uh, of the Rams, He's he posted uh, 10 tackles, eight of which were solo in week three. He's on pace to uh, be a regular weekly double-digit tackle guy. Uh, he's on that pace through two and a half games. I say two and a half games because Young was ejected the week before, uh, about, about halfway through the game, and he had eight, five tackles in a half a game. So it's pretty easy to see that, I mean, so far he's shown nothing but a clear sign that he's going to give us 8 to 12 tackles a game. Well, rookie uh, linebacker Pete Warner uh, started his first NFL game and he took 49% of the snaps, um, but he only posted two total tackles, a solo and assist. Now, Zach Bond, who had been the starter, only took 10% of the snaps and posted just one QB hit. Neither of these two is worth the risk right now as DeMario Davis is the only IDP linebacker option on the Saints. Uh, some corner, some cornerbacks just seem to know how to find the football. Uh, doesn't matter what team they play on, doesn't matter what, what year, often we see cornerbacks go up and down in terms of how often they're targeted and, and we'll see massive tackles for a couple of weeks, then they go away. Or some will have a big tackle season and then that'll go away. That is not the case for Kendall Fuller. This guy, like I said, he's just one of those guys that seems to be able to find the football no matter what. Every year he consistently puts up good tackle numbers, and, and this year's no different. Through three games, Fuller has five tackles, eight tackles, and ten tackles. Um, and not only does that mean he's just a steady option there for cornerbacks, um, but he also has a really good matchup this week. Arizona is a top-five offense for opposing DB production. Okay, here we go with the names. Jeremiah Wasu Koromoa. He shined this past week as Sione Takitaki uh, was out. Now, Takitaki was limited all week thus far um, with Friday's practice report to come in. So, JOK could could have another big game if Takitaki doesn't play again. Now, JOK posted three solos, an assist, and half a sack with two PDs, um, passes defended, and a tackle for a loss as well as a QB hit while only taking 51% of the snaps. That's that's impressive when you consider that he took just a, a little over half the set, uh, snaps that the defense was on the field for. JOK is just all over the field and is really, really playing well. Now, we have to forewarn you that Anthony Walker is – going to be i think it's next next week he's going to be eligible to come off of ir and that's going to really shift their whole linebacking core but definitely jok is somebody you want to um hang on to or trade for now in dynasty leagues so in a couple of years for sure he's going to be Agreed. a monster um uh, terrell edmonds he's had an up and down career for for fantasy at least um, but I've noticed that this year he's been a pretty pretty steady. He's got his weekly tackle numbers are five, six, and five. So if you need somebody to kind of 
prop up the back end of your uh, DB crew. Uh, Edmonds is somebody who's reliable. We talk a lot about how d- defensive backs can be frustrating in that they get seven tackles one week, and then the next week they get one tackle. But Edmonds definitely seems to be uh, somebody we can rely on. And, and I mentioned that he could uh, prop up your uh, the back end of your DB rotation. Well, come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this football season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under, based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $140,000 guaranteed in prizes, uh, prizes for NFL Week 4 and has already awarded over $4 million. Our staff at Fantasy Points will be posting their favorite Thrive Fantasy picks each week on the site. New users can use promo code FANTASYPOINTS when you sign up and we'll, you will receive 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Tune into Extra Points live stream every Sunday morning, and you can hear some of our favorite Thrive Fantasy props for the day. Sign up and prop up today. Speaking of people who need to be propped up on their couch, well, let's talk about some injured, wow. injured, injured uh, IDP stars. I might need some oxygen after this run. I'm just going to roll with these things. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to just roll with these and hopefully I you don't lose I don't lose you during this uh this this uh announcement. I'll start with the notable injured reserves. Uh Blake Martinez on the Giants was placed on IR with a torn ACL. Justin Hollins on the Rams placed on IR with a partially torn pectoral muscle. Justin Burris in Carolina got placed on IR with a groin injury. It looks like Sean Chandler is going to be the next man up. J.C. Horn got placed on IR with three broken broken bones in his foot. And Kavon Wallace on Philadelphia placed on IR with a shoulder injury. Danny Trevathan is designated to return from IR. The Bears have 21 days to either activate him or put him back on IR and permanently shut him down. The same can be said about Ashton Davis on the Jets, um, who has been on IR with a foot injury designated to return. Jets have 21 days as well. Now, the notable injuries from Week 3, Trey Flowers of Detroit was out with a knee injury, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Frank Clark on Kansas City hamstring was out. Limited practice Wednesday and Thursday this week. Same thing for practicing for Anthony Barr, who who's, hasn't played yet this year because of a knee injury, was limited Wednesday, Thursday. T.J. Watt, uh, which we'll discuss later at the end of this um, podcast, dealing with a groin injury, sat out week three, limited Wednesday and, and full practice on Thursday. Alex Highsmith of Pittsburgh had a groin injury, limited Wednesday and limited uh, Thursday. Jason Pierre-Paul in Tampa Bay, hand and shoulder injury, kept him out uh, week three, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. A.J. Terrell on Atlanta with a concussion, was in concussion protocol, did not pr- uh, play week three, full practice Wednesday and Thursday. Deshaun Gibson, Chicago, hamstring, kept him out week three, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Also not practicing Wednesday or Thursday was Donovan Wilson on Dallas with a groin injury, 
Kevin King on Green Bay with a concussion. And um, those two were inactive in week three, as well as Justin Reed on Houston, who was out with a knee injury, but limited practice Wednesday and Thursday. Have to check his Friday practice. Chavarius Ward on Kansas City was out week three with a quad injury. He's limited practice Wednesday, Thursday. Chris Harris uh, Jr. on the Chargers was out with a shoulder injury. He was limited practice Thursday. It's a Monday night game, so you're going to have to check his Friday and Saturday practice reports. Rodney McLeod on Philadelphia was has been has missed the first three weeks because of a knee injury. He's full practice Wednesday and Thursday, and that's going to be a uh, an important note for when we get here into the notable injuries in waivers and trades and such, which we'll start now with Quiddy Pay of Indiana injured his hamstring week three, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Randy Gregory on Dallas showed up on the th- uh, Thursday injury report as it did not practice because of a knee issue. Watch his status on Friday. Khalil Mack of Chicago injured his foot in week three, returned to the game, but did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Another one of those watch Friday practice report. Chris Barnes on Green Bay suffered a concussion in week three, did not practice Wednesday, limited Thursday. Watch his status. Bud Dupree on Tennessee continues to deal with a knee injury. Didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. If he's limited Friday, he'll most likely play. Marcus May on the Jets is out three to four weeks with an ankle injury. So that Ashton Davis returning could come into play sooner than later. Jordan uh, Poyer of Buffalo is dealing with an ankle injury. Did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Teron Johnson of Buffalo is dealing with a groin injury. Limited practice Wednesday. Did not practice Thursday. He's going in the wrong direction. Deshaun Elliott in Baltimore suffered a quad injury in week three. Did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. On Indianapolis, a couple of guys. Rock Yasin suffered an ankle injury in week three. And also Kerry Willis dealing with ankle and groin injuries uh, from week three. Both of them did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Now, Andrew Sandejo may come in and, and replace Willis, as he did in week three. Greg Newsom II on Cleveland injured his calf week three, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Bashan Breland on Minnesota practiced on Thursday, did not practice on Thursday because of an illness. Kashan, uh Kawan Williams, San Francisco, suffered a calf strain in week three, and he could miss a few games. And Josh Norman uh, on San Francisco suffered a bruised lungs, multiple, in week three. Did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Now, Carolina did acquire C.J. Henderson, a cornerback, and he could play as early as this week. We wouldn't expect much from him, but... He and also A.J. Bowie could see their first play, uh, snaps with the Panthers. Tampa Bay signed Richard Sherman, cornerback, um, former Legion of Boom for C- uh, Seahawks, and also a cornerback uh, starter for the 49ers. Uh, it could be you know a week or two before we see him play, but there is also discussion that he could see the field in Foxborough on Sunday night. Arizona also signed cornerback Buster Scrine. Screen and Detroit did release Jamie Collins after trying to trade him. Well, I think you need a break right now, so we're going to take a slight pause, uh, pay a few bills, and we're going to listen to Mr. Ben Kukanis uh, lullaby us with uh, with his melodious voice. All right, thank you, Ben. Uh, we're going to 
Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Defensive uh, special teams starts and, and sits. Uh, so we usually try to take a few questions from them and expand on. So I'm going to take the first one. It's a it's it's a really good one. Jay Dallas asks, uh, would Micah Parsons be a good move to pick up and start as your DL, given he may get snaps at linebacker later in the year? Uh, and the answer is a resounding yes. That that is a great move. Not only. Is Micah Parsons actually? I say actually as if we should be shocked by this because he was uh, he was a hell of an edge rusher in college, uh, particularly early on. Uh, he's he's playing great there. He's he's being graded well. He's he's getting to the quarterback each week. Um, we're starting to see his snap counts rise. He's now over over fifty percent. I think he was sixty five percent last week. So he's playing well, and you can get a lot of value out of him uh, as your actual edge rusher. But you know, Demarcus Lawrence, who's out, is not out for the year. He, he'll be coming back. Um, so there is a chance that you can then um, benefit from Parsons moving back to linebacker and you can just leave him in your, your DL spot. And that's huge because, um, you know, wh- whether or not you're called an outside linebacker or a defensive end, if you play on that edge spot, your chances of, of – amassing a lot of tackles are pretty slim. You know, I'd mentioned earlier, you know, we're, we're marveling over Sam Hubbard's ability to put up six, eight tackles a game, uh, which is, you know, really hard to to sustain. I mean, he's, he's the outlier in this case. Well, six to eight tackles a game is like LB two, you know, Um, most linebackers you're trying to roster, you're hoping are pushing more like eight to 12 tackles. So, um, it takes uh, and 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 also Sam Hubbard's role is to basically do nothing but stop the run. Most edge rushers or most edges are edge rushers. These guys are going to put up, you know, Aaron Donald sometimes puts up one or two tackles a game. So you need these edge rushers to put up massive production from the big play side of things. So, um, but you wouldn't need that from Parsons. If Parsons moves back to linebacker and he starts posting those six to 10 tackles or 11 or 12 tackles, that's a massive advantage. Um, And I kind of sat on that part for a second because uh, it actually leads us into our second question that Thomas is going to take. Yeah, the the second question was from Stu Gotts, and he asked, why is T.J. Watt projected low, and should I swap him for Kenny Young or Logan Wilson? Well, I'll address Watt first of all. Watt has been projected low the last two weeks because we were on top of the fact that he had a groin injury, and we knew that there was a very strong possibility he may not play. And in fact, he didn't play last week. And this week we we started out with him projected low because we didn't you know he was limited on Wednesday we didn't know if he was going to be um, playing this week or not so we projected him low based on the fact that he missed last week and he's been limited in practice well he practiced in full we've adjusted the the projections projections back but that's the reason why you've been seeing what projected so low is because he's been banged up. Now, Watt's a type of guy where 
He's going to give you sacks. And, and if you're in a, uh, you know, the, the rest of the question all depends on this statement, which is what is the scoring system that you have? If it's a big play heavy system, then Watt has a lot of value because one or two sacks could mean a win or a loss for you in any given week. Whereas if it's a tackle heavy league, then one or two sacks is about all you're going to get from TJ Watt. So the answer to the the question of whether or not you go with Kenny Young or Logan Wilson, much of that depends on whether or not you, first of all, whether or not it's a, a big play scoring league and, or it's a tackle scoring league. If you get a lot of, and the point I'm making here is that if you have a big scoring league, if he gets a sack and you get five points or six points for a sack and a one point for a tackle, he's getting five or six points in that one play, whereas a guy like Kenny Young and Logan Wilson have to go an entire game and give you seven total tackles just to get, or even eight or nine total tackles, depending on whether or not they're assists, just to give you that one play that Watt gave you. Now, on the flip side, if it's the tackle heavy, then if you're getting two or three points for a tackle and you're only getting two points for a, a sack, well, T.J. Watt may only give you two. Even if he gives you two uh, sacks, that's that's only going to amount to you know six or seven points. And if you've got a guy like Logan Wilson posting six total tackles, that's twelve points. So again, if it's a tackle heavy league, then Logan Wilson and Kenny Young are a better option than T.J. Watt. If it's a a uh, big play scoring league, then Watt carries a lot more value. But Watt's been injured, and you got to, when it comes to groin injuries, we talked to Dr. Porras, Edwin Porras, on this. And groin injuries, soft tissue in- injuries are very worrisome. And these are things that you have to really pay attention to and, and monitor and see how they do. Now, in Watt's case, he's practicing full on Thursday. If he practices in, in full on Friday and plays on uh, Sunday and he, he does well, well then, okay, now you're, you're putting him back into big play scoring leads, uh, leagues, uh, top linebackers. Whereas if he's not playing well and doesn't see a lot of snaps on Sunday, well then that's a, that's a red flag. Now with Logan Wilson and Kenny Young, I like Wilson better only because they may be similar in tackle numbers, but Wilson is, is, uh, a much more uh, a better option when it comes to big plays. As you had mentioned earlier, he's been posting uh, uh, interceptions and uh, passes defended, and he's just, I think, is the better option out of the two. So in a tackle-heavy league, I would lean towards Logan Wilson. In a big-scoring league, I would lean towards Watt In a as long as he's healthy. Yeah, so for example, um, T.J. Watt, uh, you know, he's got three sacks already on the year, um, which is which is obviously a really good start. But let's look at his, his first two games. Uh, uh, well, just look, well, I'll kind of do like an average game, which is the set, his second game. He had a sack and he had four tackles, three of which were solo. So um, that's a, that's a solid game. If it's if it's a big play league, that's great. That's then you're going to be hanging with those LB ones. You know, if he can continue that now. If he does not get a sack, which it's it's highly unlikely, you know, it's it's rare. I mean, it's a hell of a season if you get a a a, um, a line a, a edge rusher who puts a sack up in every single game. But let's just assume that he gets that sack, right? So, um, in a in a balanced scoring system, um, three solos, one assist, and that sack 
that's going to put you somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, eight to 10 points. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's a pretty good week. So um, Logan Wilson tonight had 10 tackles and a sack. Uh, so his 10 tackles in that league would be more like he had, he had four solos, uh, six assists. So you're looking at about, about, you know, eight to 10 points, depending on uh, how much that sack is worth you know, as well in your league. So, um, and Logan Wilson is having a, a solid year. So um, L- Logan Wilson's chances of putting up around 10 tackles, I think is a little bit higher than, than uh, Watt's ability to record a sack every single week. And the thing to notice there is that, is um, that, the three to four tackles a game, uh, that's about what you're what you're hoping to get out of out of Watt. So if he gets three or four tackles but does not get a sack, then you know then, then it's a pretty huge disparity. So the way I look at it, you need TJ Watt to play to basically hit almost every week to maintain what we're expecting from Kenny Young and and Logan Wilson. And uh, granted, that's balanced league. Tackle heavy to me, it's a no-brainer, um, which which means you have to go with Kenny Young or Logan Wilson. Big he- yeah. big play heavy, probably the other way around. Balance, right. you know, I still lean toward Wilson and um, Young. Yeah, and and you know, as you just said, what what three or four tackles is what you can expect from him. So if it's a tackle heavy league, then Kenny Young and Logan Wilson. I mean, look at look at Wilson. I mean, he's had seven, nine, twelve, and ten total tackles in his first four games. So you're looking at anywhere between eight to twelve tackles from Logan Wilson, and and Young can be the same thing, eight to ten tackles a game. So if it's a tackle heavy league, eight to ten tackles is much better than three or four, even if there is a sack. Now, if it's if you get serious points for sacks uh, compared to tackles, then Watt carries some value. Absolutely. What we've found is that if if you have an elite edge rusher have just one of those like knockout seasons where you get like twenty sacks, then that player will end up in the top. 15 or 20 of your league in terms of, of linebackers, which is, which is great. But if they don't get, you know, 17, 18, 20 tackles, several force fumbles, all that sort of stuff, they're probably more like LB three, you know, I mean, I remember yeah. Vaughn Miller had some amazing seasons. <laughs> I remember right. it was like, he was like LB 48. I was like, he's, he's worthless. <laughs> and and that's, that that's based on the fact that, you know, with the sacks and the, and the fumble recoveries and the, in the big plays, if the big plays are, are prevalent in your scoring, then it changes your approach and, and your strategy on who you go with at your, your linebackers. And it, it gives value to the, the Shaq Barrett's and Jason Pierre Paul's and the Von Miller's and the Khalil Max and so on and so forth. Whereas they carry very little value in tackle heavy leagues. Oh, but great, great questions. Uh, both, both, Indeed. Uh, both of our discord Keep them coming. users. Absolutely. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, hope you, hopefully you all had a chance to soak up some of this and 
hopefully it'll help you prepare not only for the week four matchups coming up, but also maybe some rest of the season advice as well. Start looking at some of these people coming off the injured reserve. You guys can pick them up a week or two early. Um, for Thomas Simons, my name is Justin Barnes. Again, we are the IDP analysts over at fantasypoints.com. You guys can hop over and subscribe. You'll get all this great. You know, basically what we did tonight was a little bit of a um, uh, just a. We always do like a snippet of what comes out um, over the weekend, which is our full IDP weekend review, where we cover every single um, team, every single matchup. We really kind of get into it. This is just a little part of that. So you can hop on fantasypoints.com and subscribe and get all this stuff, as well as you know, literally the best in the business: Greg Cosell, John Hansen, Adam Kaplan, Graham Barfield. Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, Tom Bradley, the list goes on and on. It's a pretty, pretty impressive staff that we're happy to be a part of. For Thomas Simons, my name is Justin Zvarns. Like I said, we will see you on the next one. Thomas, I think you have some parting words. Be well and be safe. <laughs>